Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I am so excited to be joined by Sheila Seppi. Sheila is a soul exchange walk-in. She entered into the body of a 38-year-old mother with three children and was instantaneously healed from documented illnesses and took on a new personality with spiritual gifts and memories she didn't even believe in. She writes about this in her amazing book, Walk-Ins, Cosmology of the Soul. I love her book. I love her. I love this interview. Um, I was really excited about it. And then while it was happening, it was just amazing. And then afterwards, um, I just had some, some of those mysterious experiences that if you're a listener of the show, you may have heard me talk about before. And it, it seemed very much to me that her interview had some codes in it. Um, so I'm still kind of unpacking that. I don't have a lot to say about that, but if you, you know, listen to this and then you have a similar um, feeling or experience, I would love to hear from you. In the show notes, you can get the link to all of the sponsors and partners of the Meditation Conversation, as well as awesome discount codes for those companies. And head on over to karagoodwin.com and check out the Meditation Immersion online course and the Healing Hearth membership for ongoing support and inspiration for your meditation and spiritual growth. We have an amazing community of beautiful souls, and I would love to connect with you in that way too. And now enjoy this episode. And I am so excited to dive into your story today and to learn about walk-ins because this is not something that we've really explored on the podcast before. So thank you so much for being here, Sheila, and welcome. Well, thank you so much for your invitation. I really appreciate it. And I'm always happy to share my experience because a lot of times people may have had a similar experience and they just did not know exactly what happened because, you know, there's not a lot of information out there about walk-ins. And so I have quite a few theories about that and knowings that I do want to share. But um, how I became a walk-in, as you mentioned, I had a variety of documented illnesses, um, some of which began in my 20s when I was diagnosed with the potential of having multiple sclerosis and told that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40. I was told that um, I had the possibility of having brain tumors. The only way that they would know is to go in and to do exploratory surgery, which I said, thank you, but no thank you, uh, along with being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, etc. And I just sort of um, took everything with a grain of salt and went about my life. Um, none of that's going to happen to me. And then in my early 30s, I was diagnosed with bone cancer. And it was very odd the way that it happened. I was walking down my stairs, put my hand on the railing to stabilize myself because I had two border collies running up and down the steps, playing on the stairs of all things. But all I did was really just grab a hold of the handrail to stabilize myself and my entire clavicle shattered. And immediately 
they sent me to Duke University, where um, the next thing I knew, I had a di- I had a oncologist who was talking to me about bone cancer, and I'm like, I just shattered my clavicle, you know. But the next thing I knew, I had a surgery scheduled, and when they went in, I still bear the scar, but when they went in. They found absolutely nothing. The bone cancer had cured itself. They this repaired. was after your walk-in experience. This was right before the really? walk-in experience. Yes. Oh, wow. But I still had the oncologist that I had to go for checks because it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? But after that surgery, my health began to steadily decline. And I did end up walking with a cane and I did have fibromyalgia and I did manifest all of these different symptoms um, that we, you know, we have our labels for them, but I had migraines, uh, the beginning stages of RA. And if I was not on my Celebrex every day, I wasn't even able to open and close my hands. And so I had a number of autoimmune diseases going on. I was tired. I was weary. I was worn down. Um, I was doing everything that Western medicine told me to do. And I just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I went to bed this way. And what seemed to be around seven o'clock in the morning, I'm not sure of the time, but it felt as if someone reached down, grabbed me by the hair of my head, pulled me bolt right up in bed, and it was as this lightning ran through my body. And then I was in white space. Now, a lot of people talk about white space, and that's very common among uh, near-death experiencers. So I am sure that I was probably in that same white space that they refer to. I've now understood that I was also in this place of pure consciousness. And so I don't know how long I was in this space. I know that I did receive tons of downloads because when I re-entered the body, the peripheral vision started to come in and then the frontal vision. And as I sat there in the room looking around, everything was the same, but everything was different. And when I first got up out of the bed and I was walking on the carpet, it was almost like I'd never walked on carpet before. And when I caught my reflection in a mirror, I just stopped and was mesmerized. I was looking at my teeth and looking at my hair and looking at my skin, almost like I'd never seen a human being before, which was really odd. And I thought, okay, something's definitely not right here. And as the moments went on, and it was only moments, I began to like even receive messages from the clothing that was around. And I knew where this article of clothing had been worn and I knew where this had been. And I knew, you know, where the car keys were immediately, which at that time I was having a hard time keeping up with stuff. And, you know, people like, oh, well, you just, you know, you were just remembering it but I was incapable of remembering those things just the night before because of the medication and the decline of my physical body. Then all of a sudden I started remembering past lives. Now for a lot of people, that's like, Oh, how cool is that? But for me, it really freaked me out because I didn't believe in past lives. At that time I was in a very narrow little bandwidth and anything outside of that 
was not acceptable to me. I had a very limited uh, way of thinking. And I'll just introduce real quickly. This is my little companion dog, Willow, who is with oh my us. Goodness. And He's I'll talk gorgeous. about Willow because he is part of some of the healing work that I do. But anyway, back to the original story. As the day went on, then I started having all of these, you know, like sacred geometry figures uh, swirling around in my head, information about how the universe was created swirling in my head. And first off, I'd never had an interest in any of that. And second of all, I couldn't even understand what was going through my mind. And I knew those were not my thoughts and I had no idea what was going on. And then the next thing that happened is I started remembering healing modalities that I had never studied before and different methodologies of uh, bringing about healing and peace and balance to the body. And I'd never studied any of this. Now, prior to that time, you know, in the adult early life that I had, I probably never had ever even picked up a metaphysical book. So I had no foundation for what was happening with me. And it was odd because I could open the refrigerator and I would just smell independently yet at the same time, every aroma in the refrigerator. When I opened the door and the sunlight hit my face, it was like, oh, you know, it was like the most amazing sensation I had ever had. Well, because my background was psychology, the first thing I start to believe about myself is I'm having a psychotic break. And the reason that I thought that was because of the stress of the illnesses, the medications that I was on, the stress at work, the dysfunctional marriage I was in, I thought it had just taken its toll. And I thought, oh, I'm experiencing disassociative, you know, personality disorders and I'm being paranoid and I've got this going on and that going on. And, you know, when you've got just enough psychology to be dangerous, you know, don't try to self-diagnose. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I was doing. Yeah. And it only made sense to me because I had no other logical explanation. The next thing that really started happening that everyone noticed my personality totally changed. I became a lot more articulate. I started dressing differently. I started eating differently. All of my memory, everything about me was totally different. And people really noticed and they're like, what's going on with you? And when I tried to explain the experience that I had had, they told me I'd better not talk about that because I would be locked away. And so that's, that's the first time that I was like, okay, this, this is not a good thing, but I just kept feeling great about it because I was feeling good. And the next time I went to the doctor, everything that I had ever been diagnosed with was gone. Every symptom that I had. And even with the oncologist, they said that my blood work and everything looked so good that I could wait for a year. And I had been going back like every first it was three months and then six months because they still couldn't understand what happened. Um, they, they said, we have absolutely no explanation what happened with this cancer. And so in my mind, what was occurring was the body was preparing to shut down and to let go, but it still needed, there had been a contract made with this other soul to come in. And so 
very much like a reincarnation, a walk-in will enter into the body with the permission of the soul that's leaving. Now, there's typically a pre-birth plan that's put into place where it's decided, you know, it could be at this time, this time, or this time, but we are going to switch locations because my job will be complete. But the spirit that resided within this body was so worn out and so um, had just really lost its way that it was crying out to be released. Now, for the second part of the story, um, at the time I was in my multidimensional self, I had merged consciousnesses with other consciousnesses, which means that I, if you know, we start looking at how consciousness goes. And when we begin to lose our bodies, I had to be after a sixth density. So I will say that I must have been a seventh density form because I had already merged my consciousness with other beings. And we and were, this, you're talking about the soul that entered. The soul that entered. So- this you've told us the foundation of who left. So yes. now we're now we're coming to who came in. Absolutely. So seventh dimension merged consciousness. Right. Well, it would be a seventh density. Seventh density. Oh, yes. Seventh me. density being. And so the consciousness had been merged and we were in the Andromedan system. And at that time, we heard, oh. felt, experienced this resonance call from Gaia. And she was calling in volunteers to come and to help to stabilize the energy that was on the planet, as well as to help to infuse it for the upcoming ascension that would be occurring. And so we volunteered, we came, and we were actually working on the crystalline grid, infusing it with light codes to help people to wake up and to ascend. Pre, this was before any embodiment. So just this as is consciousness. Correct. This is pure consciousness. Okay. okay. We were pure consciousness, no bodies, pure consciousness. And the pure consciousness came down to the planet and it merged with other consciousnesses that were already here working on the crystalline grid, infusing it with light codes to assist with the ascension and also to help humanity to wake up. And, and this was from all different kinds of um, galaxies and and all throughout the universe, not just yes. Andromeda, but no. your it was your all throughout the universe. And when we arrived, we merged with what was already here. And it was it was while the we were working in the collective that the soul of this body had cried out to be released. And when that cry was heard, it was decided that I would be the aspect to come in because like our oversouls are so large, there's absolutely no way, but just a minute portion um, can enter into the body. So if you think of the fist and the fingers as being various lifetimes from those lifetimes, it would be like little drips of water coming into into physical form. Now, one of the things that happened is as I came in, and if you'll remember previously, I spoke about it felt as if someone had pulled me up by the hair of the head. What that experience actually was is when the soul had entered in through the crown of the head and it propelled the body upright as the new soul came in and the old soul exited. 
And that was the upright thrust that occurred. Now, had someone explained this to me even 25 years ago, I would have laughed them out of the room and thought that nothing like this was ever possible because within my limited box and mindset, which again, I was very comfortable in, you know, I believed we lived, we died, we went to heaven, we went to hell, and that was the end of it. But coming in from where I came in, holding those memories, remembering these universal truths that were spinning around in my head that I could not yet give language to, I knew everything was different. There was no doubt in my mind. And to this day, there's no one that cannot tell me that what I experienced was not real, that it was a figment of my imagination which my previous self and my previous training wanted to begin to explain away. So what happened is when a new soul, in the case of a walk-in, there are various degrees of that, which I'll talk about, but I was what was called a complete soul exchange. And that's when a new consciousness set comes in and an old consciousness set leaves. Sometimes there's mergings, et cetera, but we can talk about that. But when I came in, one of the first things that happened, as I told you, I was healed from all of those diseases because all of a sudden, this newfound energy was sending out these magnetic signals by way of our spinal cord into the body, and it was instantaneously healed, even though it was just a tiny, tiny drop of who I was. Now, the soul that was in this body that exited, if you want to call it the walk out, the walk out itself had been purely uh, an Arcturian soul. And they were actually one of the beings that had worked with the templates of creation. And that was part of what I was remembering. But the old soul had never accessed any of that information. So when the old soul left and the new soul came in and that lightning kind of went throughout the body, it activated soul memories. Now, Every person that's listening to this, watching this, when we have a a soul that enters the body, it immediately begins to imprint on the cellular structure of the body. We have our genetics, which are passed down to us from our mom, our dad. We might have our grandpa's smile, our Aunt Sarah's hair, whatever it is. But those genetic codes are part of what makes up this physical structure, which, by the way, is a biocomputer. And so when this physical structure is made up and the soul enters, everyone's soul, including your soul, enters the body, it will begin to infuse the soul energy onto the physical structure as the two become one, inhabiting the one space. And throughout a lifetime, traumas, dramas, hurts, betrayals, those two will begin to imprint on the cellular structure. If we have had wounding from past lives or wounding from our galactic lives or wounding within our current lives, that too will penetrate the cellular structure of the body. And so when the new soul entered into this form, all of that information started to rise to the surface. And it probably took me 
I would say a good, really hard working for several years to start clearing some of that. And still to this day, every time I think I've got all of the old behaviors and thought patterns and hurts and reactions gone, I'll get a whole new circumstance that comes up. But I've learned to recognize it as like, aha, I recognize you. And that's <laughs> what happens with our soul wounds. When, we, when we're wounded, then we begin to heal, but we have that opportunity to arise many, many times. And it's reflected back to us by people or relationships or situations in our life. And so what was happening to me all those soul wounds were coming up and I was beginning to clear those out. And within probably a couple of days after inhabiting the body, I decided I've got to get out of this marriage because it was dysfunctional. I was looking at this person like, who are you? My children, I had full memory and love for. My parents, I had full memory and love for. After that, no. And when I say full memory, I mean, I knew who they were. Now, one of the concerns that I had was that I did not have full memory of like their lives. I came in with a very select um, memory set, if you will. I could remember a few things, a few birthdays, you know, a couple, you know, like my daughter dancing on the picnic table, providing this little choreographed show with the two younger kids and, you know, a couple little things like that. But that was about it. Even the entirety of a pregnancy, I, I, and still I don't have full recall of that. So for me, that's where I thought, ah, I'm disassociating. I must be having a psychotic break you know, all the trauma, all the drama I must have repressed so deeply that now I have no memory. And that's truly what I believed. And that's how I operated for about the first six months until I left the marriage in three months. Within another three months, had moved to a different state and I found my first spiritual teacher. And I found her by happenstance she actually uh, had an advertisement in the back of a phone directory. So that kind of dates me, you know, <laughs> this happened about 22, 23 years ago. Um, but what happened was there was an ad for a spiritual counselor. And because of my psychology background, it's like, oh, that's what I need. And because it was spiritual and my religious, not spiritual background, I felt very comfortable with this. And she is the one that introduced me to the concept of a walk-in because my idea of what this session would, the outcome would be is I would get her a little prescription for my little blue pill and I would take that and all of this would go away. But instead, that's not what happened. And she introduced other concepts that not only blew my mind, but actually I became angry. It's like, what do you mean I'm a walk-in? I don't believe in this stuff. And Because remember, my thought patterns are still healing. And so over time, as in like two weeks time, I had been back maybe two or three times already with other sessions. And she is the one that actually helped put me on my spiritual path, which was shamanism at the time. And so 
learning to travel like in the lower world and the upper world with my spirit guides, learning how to drop into communion and to merge and to receive information and to open up and to tap into the fields of consciousness that are available to us, I began to learn more about who I was. I began to learn about all of the false matrices and belief systems that are on this planet. I began to see all of the lies that we've been told to keep humanity small. And I began to grow as a person. I studied with this lady um, until I, in person, until I moved to Colorado. And then I still studied with her. uh, So I've been a student like for 23 years. And and if I remember correctly, you were the only one who responded to that ad. That right? is correct. I was, she has told me many times, she goes, honey, you know, you're the only one that responded to that ad. And I know for a fact that I lived in that location just to meet you and that we have a contract on the other side because she too was a walk-in. And that occurred for her when she was five years old. She was actually crawling up into a barn because she just knew her Christmas presents were there, you know, and then it was a huge ladder and she fell back and literally crushed her skull. She was pronounced dead at the hospital. And by the time her father got there, she woke up and she just looked at him and it was like, sir, why are you crying? You know, in a very adult voice at five years old. And so, you know, we had this immediate connection and knowing with each other, just like all of us do when we meet people that might be in our soul group or in our soul family, or we've had past lives with, we just recognize them. And so as time went on, you know, I was challenged constantly by my collective And that's who my spirit guides are. I still operate with my collective. I'm still connected with the the collective, which is a much more expanded body of consciousness that kind of runs the programs of this body. And so in working with them, listening to them, doing what they wanted to do, plus trying to integrate all of that into a human experience and raise three kids, because at this time I had left, so I was a single mom, you know, it was a little bit challenging. And I went through, you know, several crazy years, uh, not just of feeling crazy, which by that time I knew I wasn't, but just craziness as far as the things that I see and learning how to deal with, you know, because when I came in, all of my clairs were activated beforehand. I, you know, I think I had a little bit of this that might've been coming to the surface based on, you know, stories that the family tells, but the reality of it is I became immediately clairvoyant, clairaudient, claircognizant, the whole nine yards, which totally freaked me out. And another reason that I thought that I, you know, was having a psychotic break because I was seeing people that weren't there. I was hearing voices giving me directions on what to do and how to respond and how to act, which, you know, it's like, okay, well, there's nobody there. I'm hearing voices. Obviously I'm psychotic. Yeah. Bless your heart. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what a, what a wild ride. I mean, and there's, I mean, so many different questions and comments that I have. One one thing that comes to mind is that knowing 
that you talk about. And that's one of the things that I find so fascinating anytime I have, I was just talking about this last night because somebody was asking, you know, something about, well, how do you know, like when things happen, because I'll have experiences sometimes where I'm not in the white space, but I, I'm seeing like geometry, like I'm in this, like almost like a pickle shape, like inside where it's like this, you know, dome, but like a thin dome, you know, with, and coming down all around me, different colors and different designs like around. And then there's just stuff that happens that I just know things. And it's not like I feel a download necessarily. Like I might see flashes of colors (laughs) and like flashes of light where it's too quick. I can't cognitively know what's happening, but like it happened a few nights ago and I was like, I just knew, I felt like, oh, take a big breath. And so I took a big breath and I could feel that through that breath, I was expanding into different layers, like new layers. It was lighting up new layers that I don't have access to consciously all the time. That kind of thing. And I was like, oh yeah, that's one of the reasons the breath is so important. That's one of the reasons breath work is so important because you're expanding your energy field into new levels of consciousness. And it was like, I don't know how I, nobody, no being came to me and was like, listen, Kara, this is how this works. You want to focus on your breath and breathe. And, you know, it was just like, oh yeah, it's a remembrance. Yes. And I have many experiences like that where I am in like a place where there's sacred geometry, there's light, there's different different frequencies and different visuals. And then I I just know, I just understand things. It's a, but it feels like I'm remembering. Yeah. And there's always like an oh yeah. And sometimes like a oh duh. <laughs> you know, right. Exactly. Of course. Yes. Oh, of course. How could I not have seen that this whole time. Like that makes, that is of course how that works, you know? Right. So, and, and nobody can take that away. It's like, you know, I could, I can tell somebody that and they can tell me that's hogwash because no teachers ever told them that before. And I can be like, well, that's fine. But I know that's how it works because I saw it and I felt it and I experienced it. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, but that's so, that's so powerful. Yeah, it is. And what you're describing to me is, you know, you're actually tapping into that consciousness field, that larger aspect of you. Some people like to call it the higher self, etc. But even when we expand outward, because all of our bodies out here, according to what my collective has told me, they were... uh, they were trying to give me a teaching so that I could better understand that, no, I didn't hijack the body and there are birth plans and there are agreements and these are the, this is the way that the soul comes in that they were trying to explain. Now, it could have been the way they were explaining it to me just so that I had a cognitive understanding. But they explained that all of the energy bodies is what we call our spirit And when the higher self that we know of attaches to the physical form, that becomes the soul or the personality of this lifetime. And then when we drop our robes, our biocomputers, you know, through the death process, 
all of that information unwinds and goes back up through our higher self into what they call the Shantias Khan. Now, the Shantias Khan, if you want to think of it, is like a cocoon where your personal energy and everything you need for this particular lifetime is stored. So it's like this cloud storage, if you will, of all these experiences and the higher self remains attached to that. So you can upload and download information at all times. That Shantias Khan is then located within the larger aspect of your oversoul. So like the beautiful sacred geometry behind you, you could liken that to be in the oversoul and each one of those little divisions would be a Shantias Khan that makes it up. And so all of that information then is still attached to, but permeates through the entirety of the oversoul. And when they told me that and gave me that teaching, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And some of the other teachings that they were sharing with me is about the resonance frequency and how the expansion and the wavelengths began to occur and how the void, which they shared with me, was the etheric body of source energy. And how then all that is and all of these other aspects began to be created and how then the universes came in to be. At that time, I had no clue what they were talking about. And, you know, what the heck is uh, morphic resonance? I, I don't understand. What are you talking about photonics? And what are you talking? You know, I didn't understand the, the words that were being used that were being used because of the verbiage on this planet. Um, but all of that information was just swirling around in my head so that as I grew into my consciousness that I could remember and things would begin to unfold. And one of the things for me, I felt like I was very blessed because I found my spiritual teacher very early on. And I was very blessed because I had a support network of women through the teaching circles that we would gather every week and study together and learn and expand together. And my kids had more aunties than they really wanted, but I felt very blessed because I really had that safety net, but a lot of people didn't have that. And then as I progressed and moved through my life, you know, I remarried, I've moved to Colorado. I started a healing center and it was when I was working with my guides that they said, kind of like, okay, newsflash, here we go. It says people cannot drop into the essence of who they truly are when they're in pain. And I was like, oh, because up until that time I was doing, I was providing Reiki healing. I was offering spiritual teachings. I had my own circle groups, that kind of thing. But I really hadn't focused a lot on any other modalities. And so they they began to encourage me and I started studying a plethora of modalities and then expanded the wellness center to two locations. And it was in those wellness centers that they began to say, talk to me about go bigger, go bigger. And the first time that ever happened, they were standing right behind me on my right side. And when they said go bigger, I was actually working on a client and I thought I was going to jump out of my skin. I was like, ah, you know, 
And then, oh, sorry, I thought I saw a spider or a mouse or whatever it was that I said at the time, trying to, you know, come up with a really good excuse there. <laughs> yeah. But it really, it startled me. And then the entire time I was working, go bigger. What do you mean? Go bigger, go bigger. Oh, I need to provide more service, you know. So I would start studying all these modalities and I kept hearing this go bigger, go bigger. And I would bring other practitioners in with me and I kept hearing go bigger, go bigger. And then I started providing events and they kept saying go bigger. And then the next thing that happened was I was hit by a very serious life threatening illness. They came out of nowhere. And of course it left out of nowhere too, but it, I mean, it happened just like that. And I went into liver failure and my kidneys were shutting down and all of these different things. Again, you know, my daughter was freaking out. Oh, you're jaundice, you're yellow. You got to go to the hospital. I called the homeopath and she's like, I need blood work. We're looking at Good Friday here. I, it's going to take, you know, you won't get anything back from me until the middle of the week. Go to the emergency room, get the blood results, come back. Well, I never made it back because the hospital did not leave, let me leave. My my numbers kept elevating. And even though I felt, I mean, I felt really great. I was starting to feel really tired. And that's when, you know, everything was really starting to shut down. I was transported to uh, one of the hospitals in Denver and I wouldn't let them give me anything, not even a vitamin K shot. I kept saying, no, no, no. They kept taking vial after I would let them do blood work. But that was it. And then finally, on Easter morning, after I had been told three times that I had to have a liver transplant in order to live, I said, no, I really don't. And I left the hospital and I went home. I was working even during the time of being at the hospital with my mentor, who's teach, who was teaching me about using the vials and um, different energetic frequencies through a program called, um, well, they changed the name. It used to be called Natural Healing at the time. Then they changed it to Evolutionary Quantum Healing Technique. And so he began working on me in Germany and my liver began to improve. And so they kept telling me they didn't understand what was going on. Each time they took blood, 10%, the numbers were dropping. And I forget which one it was, but it was supposed to be like on the high end 40. Mine was 2,360. Oh my God. And so, yeah. When I arrived at the hospital, you know, I just got in the elevator, went up to the nurse's desk. Hi, I'm Sheila. I'm supposed to check in. The nurses were all freaking out. You can't be standing. You can't be walking. I'm like, well, yeah, I am. I'm here. And I was in the bed and I was I was talking to my collective. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be really pissed off if I die in a hospital. I'm just going to tell you guys right now. And <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. So you need to fix this because this is not acceptable. You know, you brought me here. I know you've told me I'm not finished. I've got other things I need to do, you know, fix this. And so with my collective and working with Randy and everything, I, I was back to work in like two months. And, and was that related to the go bigger? That, that they, was related to the go bigger because I was so busy doing that I did not stop and listen to be still. 
And Barbara Lamb, who's a dear friend, and I know you've yeah. interviewed her. She's such a sweetheart. Love but Barbara. Prior to the liver um, failing, we had been uh, visiting with Barbara and then had gone to Integatron. And it was actually at, um, what is it, the Oasis. And as I was walking through the oasis, I could start to feel the sensations. It felt as if there were little razor blades cutting my legs. And I thought, you know, this is, um, this has to be no seams. And so I'm slapping my legs and all of this kind of stuff. And by that night, I was already starting to feel tired by the next day. And then with, by the end of the week, I went into full-blown liver failure, and it was while I was there, I had called Barbara, and she goes, well, you know, honey, did you ever stop to think that maybe they're giving you the space to get your book written that you're supposed to write? (laughs) And I was like, ding, 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 ding. So during the recuperative phases, I began to think, it's like, how do you write a book about being a walk-in? Number one, nobody's going to believe me. There is no scientific evidence to this. I can't back it up. It's my personal experience. There's thousands of books written about personal experiences. It's no big deal. I'm No, I'm, I'm not going to write it. And they kept saying, you need to write the book. You need to write the book. Well, when I was sitting there and when Barbara, you know, it's my collective not alone can't tell me what to do, but Barbara's like, yeah, you need to do this. And so I was sitting there because that very year was the first time ever I had spoken about being a walk-in to a public gathering. And it was at an IONS group um, in Denver. And so um, I, they had asked me to put a presentation together and I almost laughed because I was like, how do you? how do you put a presentation about a walk-in? How do you make a PowerPoint? This, I can't do it. But my husband said, okay, let's start at square one. What is a walk-in? Let's, you know, and so he literally walked me through that hand in hand and helped me to create, you know, a really powerful PowerPoint. So I thought, okay, I'll use the PowerPoint as my basis. And so I kind of, in my mind, it's like, okay, I'll do this and this and this and this. And so within a couple weeks, I I had written the first chapter. I had my introduction. I had all kinds of stuff. And we were having an event on the land. And I said, okay, I still need to do this event. While we were having that event, I started feeling better and better and better and better and more energy returned. And by the end of the event, I felt like my own self. But during the event, one of our presenters was Andrea Piron. And so I showed, you know, she and she's an author. And so I showed her what I had written. She's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You've got to write the book. You've got to write the book. And so I was like, oh, well, OK, Andrea, she she's a phenomenal writer. She thinks I should write it. And Barbara thinks I should write it. I'll go ahead and write it. And so as I did, I began to realize um whether it was my insecurity about it or whatever, it's like, I need other people to validate my story. And I need other perspectives on this because at the time I was still seeking a walk-in community. I didn't have a lot of support. So anyway, I interviewed 15 other individuals. I had uh, eight people in the field of science and consciousness that um, helped to also support the walk-in phenomenon. And I published the book. And after that, everybody wanted to stay together. So then became the first walk-in conference that I did through Portal to Ascension. And after that, I was inundated with emails and 
people just saying, oh, this is wonderful and I need community and da 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 da. And at first I tried, I'm going to answer them all myself and I'm going to make all these calls. And then it was like, there is no way I can do this. And so I began to get people together in groups. And at first I formed what was called uh, the Wish Alliance, which stood for Walk-Ins, Indigos, Starseeds, and Hybrids. And it now has grown to a more galactic perspective. And so we call it the Galactic Alliance. And so that was the first thing that I did. And I thought, man, this is it. Because they were telling me, you're going, you're going to develop this and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, this is my last go bigger. I've got this down. And then they kept talking about going bigger. And then I started writing three other books, which I still have to get finished and all that kind of stuff. But then all of a sudden, they're like, You've got to get the presentations out to a larger audience. The information is phenomenal. And I'm like, okay. And I've learned. I've stopped arguing with my collective. And it's like, well, then you show me how I'm going to do that. And honestly, within two months, maybe three, we had launched what's called the Conscious Awakening Network. And the Conscious Awakening Network is not just a network of people that's come together to help, hopefully to spark spiritual awakenings and support people on their path, but it's also a television network. So people can down, they can go and download the app and it's all free. All of it's free. They can go and download the app on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. They can go to our website and watch the content. And we have hundreds of hours. And we just launched October the 15th. So we're still in our infancy stages. And so you can um, go to your phone app store and you can download it on any iOS platform or either the Android platform. We're on all types of podcasting platforms as well as social, social media. And so now I'm just sitting here and I'm like, surely this is the last go bigger that I'm going to hear. And I told him, I said, okay, so when I get this up and when I get this other book, well, I've actually got four I'm working on. When I get this other, when I get this finished, you know, I want to take just a year off. I'm just going to relax and take it easy. And they're like, what, you think you're here on vacation? No, you're not here on vacation. You know, they've told me earlier that specifically I came in to serve as a way shower and to help people to, you know, spark spiritual awakenings, to help support them on their path, to help them in basically being boots on the ground because the collective we can infuse, but we can't actually do like what you and I are doing right now. You know, we can do it telepathically, but so many of us are busy that a lot of that falls by the wayside and people just think, oh, that was an interesting thought and not happen to think, oh, wait a minute, that could be a very serious thought for me. So with the Conscious Awakening Network, I, you know, the whole goal of that is to be able to get different presenters out because it's not just my voice that I want people to hear. I want them to hear everybody's voice because our voices have a certain resonance and a certain tone to it. And when people are listening to it, they're either going to be compelled to learn more or they're going to say, oh, that's interesting. And they're going to go to the next thing. So by providing an outlet for so many speakers to have a platform to share their stories or to share their teachings, surely 
there's going to be enough information out there that people are going to be drawn to it. And it's really just going to help to support them on their path. That is so beautiful. I mean, I and I can't believe it's only been around for two, not even two months yet. <laughs> we just launched October 15th. That's amazing. Wow. So through your book, you mentioned that you brought in many others. One one of one question I did have, there was a was your son one of the Yes. Okay. Yes. You, I don't think you specifically said he was your son, but I was kind of like putting some pieces together yeah. and I'm thinking, I think this might be your son. So your son's also a walk-in. He is a walk-in and it's extremely rare to have two walk-ins in a family. Okay, we're the only two walk-ins that for years that we knew. And what happened with him is he had asymptomatic appendicitis that had ruptured. And that's when the first big break of swine flu went out and all the doctors diagnosed it as swine flu because when they did the taps, he didn't respond like someone would respond if they were having appendicitis, especially peritonitis. And so this young child is in the hospital finally after they recognized what had happened to him. And my husband and I are standing there with him. The doctor leaves the room and he had been sitting upright and he laid him back. And when he did, my son Dylan, went. he just went not white, but he went blue. I, he didn't stop breathing, but he, he was blue. And out of his body, this monstrous voice came of this male sounding as if they were in their 50s, maybe in their 60s, speaking in a tongue that I still to this day do not believe it was light language, but it was some type of, it sounded more like an Aramaic or a Syrian type dialect. And everything inside of me knew that was his soul crying out to be released because the physical body was in so much pain. He went into the surgery. He came out of the surgery. He was literally open for like three days while everything was draining and healing. And my husband and I stayed there giving him round-the-clock Reiki. And he never developed an infection. They didn't expect him to pull out. He he did beautifully. And he had difficulty walking after the event. We all just said, oh, that's the medication. It's because he's sore. Now he's like, I felt like I'd never walked before. And he really hadn't in a long time. And he came in specifically from the angelic realm. And he has many memories associated with the angelic realm war of the angels, things that happened here on earth that he either participated in or was an observer. And he has a very unique perspective on that. And it it was, I mean, it was an amazing thing. And for him, what happened with him, only 13% of his original soul stayed, whereas 100% of mine left and new aspects came in. 13% of the original soul stayed, which I call the natal soul. And then the remainder came in from his higher self, not through the Shantias Khan, but it was from the higher self through the Shantias Khan down through and into the physical form. And that is what I call a soul infusion. And in the book, other people share their stories. And there's what's called like a soul overlay where the original natal soul stays a new aspect of the soul comes in, and it could be new energy from the Shantias Khan, comes in 
enshrouds it and serves as a battery charger or even a placeholder if the soul needs to leave and heal or whatever and come back. Then the overlay either leaves or it merges together. And then everyone's heard, I think, of the braided soul where you actually have two souls that retain their individuality, but they merge together and they braid and they operate as one, sometimes with conflict. And then there are what's called jumpers. And these are souls that temporarily come into a body and they leave. And they're never there longer than a month. A month is a long time for a jumper to stay. But the energy that they bring is so strong that when they leave, the host or the natal soul, there's like this yearning for them to come back. Okay. And then there's the multidimensional aspect soul that comes in that awakens throughout the lifetime. And sometimes people may be more Palladian when the situation calls for it and it receives. They may be more angelic. They may be more Arcturian, whatever is called for in the situation. And so there's this beautiful energetic dance. And so I, when I started writing the book, I honestly thought all walk-ins were the same. And I quickly found out just like people know they're not. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking us through all the different kinds. And this was one of the things that, I mean, I learned a lot in your book and I have um, done a lot of seeking and, and, you know, learned from different teachers and things. And there was stuff in there that was new to me and, and um, which I really appreciated. And one of the things I'd love to get your perspective on is that as people go through their evolution, you know, as especially when you're a seeker, you can look back, you know, 10 years ago, you know, before you took a step on the path, for example, and, and the things that you thought and the things that you believed and the things that were important to you, then you find yourself on a path. Mm-hmm. And there are these changes that happen. And, and for a lot of people, they're not instantaneous. You know, it's kind of brick right. by brick. You know, we kind of just keep building. Yes. Who, and everybody's doing that, whether they are on a path or not. We're just building who we are through all of our choices and all of our actions and words and thoughts. But it's interesting to take that look back and be like, wow, I am a totally different person. I think a lot of people listening now can think like, I am completely different than I was blankety blank years ago or months ago or wherever they are in their path. So what is your perspective on, um, you know, maybe some of that like multidimensional walk-ins or or different like that aren't total replacement walk-ins, but do you think that a large percentage of people might be a certain type of walk-in because of that? Or is it is it a different phenomenon? Like is it all sort of similar? I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. And you know, I talk with people about this all of the time. And so I'm glad that you asked that question because I also call that soul infusions. But it's the soul infusion where a hundred percent of the soul stays and more and more of the higher self continues to come in, which broadens the consciousness perspectives. And that type of a 
um, soul infusion comes about through spiritual work, through meditation, all the different types of avenues that we take to expand our consciousness, to drop in to the essence of who we are. You know, in my case, there was a lot of different um, components at play. And the very fact that that soul, when it left, the children would have been without a parent, I think could have played um, a little bit of the role with this walk-in choosing to come in when it did. But the reality of it is so many people are having so many phenomenal experiences because a couple things. Yes, it's because of the personal work, but also the consciousness on the planet as a whole is changing. Number one, we're in an entirely different loop in our universal cycle, and we're being bombarded, and our planet is being washed over by new photonic energies, new vibrations, and that impacts us. You know, we have um, iron in our blood, the earth's core is made of iron. And so it kind of acts as this magnetic, which attaches us to the planet. Yes, we have gravity, but all of those things, long story short, create this gravitational field that connect us to Gaia. The importance of that is this is the first time in this earth cycles that the planet and humanity is making a conscious shift together. Always before, there have been many cycles of destruction, many Kali Yugas with on this planet where we have the height of a civilization and then we go back to the caveman times. And we then have Lemuria and then we have Atlantis. You know, we've had the flood, we've had all the Ice Age. All of these things are various cycles in Earth's history. And that having been said, people ascended at the end of those cycles. But Gaia remained the same. Gaia is like a ninth, eighth or ninth density being that chose to place her consciousness into this planet to animate it, to give it life. Okay, so Gaia herself is on this ascension path. We're connected to Gaia through that iron resonance. And we, too, you know, we vibrate at the Schumann resonance, which is basically, if you boil it down, the heartbeat of Mother Earth. So we have this symbiotic relationship. And the very importance of this time is that as Gaia is ascending, those of us who are ready, and I always tell people, you know, this ascension is not a race. Forever is a long time. It's not like, baby, you've missed the boat and this is your one and only chance. Take it from me. It, it will come again. And people will go and experience another 3D reality somewhere else so that they can continue their spiritual growth. But because of that and because of that symbiotic relationship, those people whose vibrational frequency has raised enough are able to bring in more of that higher self energy, anchor it into the physicality, and they begin to experience very much like I did with this old ancestral DNA healing and clearing. And as that occurs, the entire family line is occurred. If you have children, their line is, you know, washed. Everything is, you know, healed and made new, which makes room for more light codes. And I think that's exactly what you're describing. And it is happening 
everywhere, which gets me so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Do you have any thoughts about, because I know like there is a lot of um, cycling off happening with individuals right now. And a lot of times on the surface, I, I hear people talking about like, well, if you're not at a certain frequency, then as the frequencies of the planet continue to raise, you're not going to be able to be in resonance and it's going to cause the cycling where your body can't hold it. And so we will see death and departing. I'm actually observing just in my own little world that there are people who have worked very diligently on their spiritual growth and they do seem to be evolved souls. And they also are dying mysteriously in some cases. So I wonder about your theory with that. I have my own theory too. Yeah. Right. Well, there's some overall themes. If you'll remember when I first said my coming in because of that law of non-interference with me being here, I'm boots on the ground. So that really doesn't apply to me. Okay. But on the other side, there's other ways that we can work and other ways that we can assist and other ways that instantaneously we can be in many places all at one time. I believe that's what's happening with a lot of these light workers. It's like, okay, I've done about as much as I can do here. So let's take it to a new level. And yeah. so they are going through their process because there is no, I mean, I can tell you there is no death. There is no death. There is no death. It is pure consciousness and it shifts forms. And that is it. And we do retain our memories. We do remember who we are. You know, we do remember these lifetimes. A lot of people get attached to, oh my gosh, I don't want to forget my dog. You know, it's like, hey, all of that stuff will be in your field. You can access that at any time. But that's my thoughts. I think that people are leaving mass exiting because they can be of greater value on the other side. That's what I've wondered too. And I feel like um, because they have like relationships with people who are still alive, you know, they can kind of work. So they, I feel like they're like just on the other side of the veil. Like if you want to think of it from the veil perspective, well, where it's like right here. here. <laughs> yeah. And they're so close to people who still are embodied. And so it's kind of like they can work with them yes. or through them or whatever, but be like you say, like their consciousness is not bound by the physical. So, right. um, that, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, this has been just amazing, Sheila. I please everybody read the book oh, Walk-ins, Cosmology of the Soul. Um, I, I really, really loved it. I couldn't put it down. It's it's oh. so it's so it's it's just splendid. It's splendid. <laughs> and I learned a ton and it was just very uplifting and uh beautifully written. Oh, thank and, you. And um and check out the conscious. Uh, tell me one more time. I know it was CAN. It's C A N. Yes, Conscious Awakening Network. And I was you, thinking Conscious Ascension Network. I was like, I don't think that's right. Okay, Awakening Network. ConsciousAwakeningNetwork.org. Or again, you know, go to your phone store and just look on the apps. All of the apps are free. All of the programs are free. You pay no fees. There's nothing hidden because, you know, I've gotten a lot of texts. People, 
do I have to pay for this? Are you going to charge me like next month based on my, it's like, no, no, Mm -hmm. this is, it's kind of like a gift of the spirit of all the people that's making up this network. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you. And how can people connect with you or find out more about you? Yeah. Well, there's a couple ways they can go to my personal website at SheilaSeppi.com. That's the easiest way because from there they can find out about me and all the different things. And I have websites for everything. And so, you know, information about the Conscious Awakening Network is on there. Information about the GalacticAlliance.org is on there. Information about my healing services through Spirit Way Wellness is on there. And so SheilaSeppi.com is the easiest way to get hold of me. Okay, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This has been beautiful and enlightening and uplifting, and it's just such a joy to connect with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation. It's been fun. Absolutely. You are welcome anytime. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.